Welcome to America's Top Rebbitsons. May this class be for Rafua Shalima, for Eliezer Raphael Leib Ben Amuna, and also for Yaakov David Natan Ben Sara. Please click on the subscribe button to subscribe to us on the America's Top Rebbitsons YouTube page, or click follow to follow us on your podcasting app so that you are the first to know when an inspiring new episode is posted. I'm very happy to have on today's show, Rebbitson Ivy Kalazan. Rebbitson Ivy is a dynamic teacher and lecturer who brilliantly uncovers the depth and meaning behind mitzvot. Having studied and taught for years in Israel under Rebbitson Sipora Heller and Rabbi David Gottlieb, Ivy now teaches in many prestigious Jewish schools and organizations in New York. Her specialty is breaking down deep concepts into easy to understand language with inspiring messages that women will carry with them all their lives. Thank you so much for being here. Please tell us more about yourself and what you do. Thank you so much, Vera. I'm very excited to be here with you tonight. Um, I Basically, I, I grew up, Baruch Hashem, in a religious observant home, and I had a wonderful Beis Yaakov education, which I really valued very much and gave me tremendous skills and tremendous knowledge base. But after I finished high school and seminary, I then had an amazing opportunity to work in Neve Yerushalayim, and not only to work, but I would like kind of secretly sneak into many of the classes of some of like the top Kirov teachers, including Rabbi Cordoza, Rabbi David Gottlieb, Rabbi Heller Gottlieb, um, Rabbi Kirzner Zatzal, who was in America. But I remember being like just awed out at like the ability to be able to approach basic questions of fundamentals in Judaism and not just kind of assume that just because you grew up with it, Therefore, you're just accepting it, but we were able to like learn it on a rational, deeper level. And I remember thinking like, oh, well, this isn't something that only non-observant people should have exposure to. And my kind of passion is going back into the Beis Yaakov world and sharing that style of learning back in the from world. So Baruch Hashem, I teach in just many high schools or seminaries and women's groups, and I kind of share with them some of like the the deeper aspects on, on straight mitzvahs that we keep all the time and just learn them from a deeper philosophical perspective. Wow, that's so beautiful. I love that, that, that you're really making this, this Torah available to everybody. Uh, religious, non-religious, Jews of all types and stripes in an easy to digest, easy to understand format. I think it's amazing. I, th I really think, honestly, that's what we all need. So I'm listen. so grateful to do a thing. Yes, yes. So now with Rosh Hashanah right around the corner, we are all so busy preparing for this special time of year. With the many physical preparations that need to be done, like the cooking and the chopping and the baking, the spiritual preparations that are so important for this holiday sometimes get overlooked. And Rosh Hashanah is such a spiritually elevated time of the year. It's a time when we plant the seeds of our intentions for the year. And I personally call those seeds of potential my Rosh Hashanah resolutions. And for example, last year, my Rosh Hashanah resolution, I really got in touch with what I wanted my life purpose to be, what my life direction is. And I discovered that I really want to help spread Torah to, to women of to women of all types and stripes, Jewish women uh, who are religious, who are non-religious, who are someone in between. And I wanted to create a one-stop shop for them where they can go 
and just listen to different Rebetzins and learn from them and grow closer to Hashem, grow closer to other Jewish women and grow close to each other. And that's how this particular podcast, the America's Top Rebetzins podcast was born. So that's just one example of a Rosh Hashanah resolution. And it's this time of the year where we have the opportunity to think about how the past year went, the way that we behaved in our thoughts, speech and action, and how that behavior affect others and ourselves. And it's this time of the year that we commit to improving our character traits and living in a more elevated way. And it's really, really so powerful because this is the time of year that Hashem, that God is the closest to us and he can help us achieve our innermost goals and desires. Everything flows from the beginning and that's where I would like to start. So can you please talk to us about what, what Rosh Hashanah is really about and why this time of year has so much spiritual energy? Well, well. I know, like, I always have such kind of mixed feelings throughout the month of Elul. I'll tell you the truth. I think because I'm more of an intense kind of person, I've, Elul is like my favorite favorite month of the year. And I guess it's just because it's laden with so much possibility and potential and focus. And we know that this is the month where it's not just like, we're trying desperately to get Hashem to do what we want and to like pass us the judgment, but it's like Anila Dodi Vidodi Li, which is the the acronym of Elul, really means like Hashem is in the process with us. He's like supporting us and we're reaching out to him and he's reaching back to us with with love and support, wanting to help us make it work. So it's just like exciting because it's like you feel like you have a team member a team member. He's really the, the leader of the team who's like really helping me get there. But one thing that I learned that I found very helpful from Rabbi Akiva Tatz was sometimes, especially when you reach a certain age, Rosh Hashanah can just feel like you're kind of bogged down with the past. And you're thinking about like all the things that you did that you didn't want to do or where things led and where you kind of a person can almost feel like how is Hashem going to judge me? I don't even feel so worthwhile in certain ways myself. And you look at certain choices you made, which may not have gotten you to where you wanted to get to. But Rosh Hashanah is really not so much about the past. It's really more about the future. And I know like when we were in like nursery school, preschool, kindergarten, they always did those like images of the, the scales where you're weighing your mitzvot and averot, which is true, but Rosh Hashanah means the head of the year. Now, the head is the beginning point of everything that flows down from it, meaning the way we function as humans is before I do any act or before I say any word, there's always some thinking process that's going on in my head beforehand, which then expresses itself in the way I speak and act. So let's just say somebody hurt me and I'm really feeling hurt by what they did. Now I can take that thought and like mull it over in my head a hundred times and say like, I can't believe she did that. This is not the first time she's done that. She has done that so many times before. Now, the more I let that thought fester in my mind, when I then talk to her or that I act to her, you can bet I'm not going to be so compassionate and empathetic and even say things in a way that she'll hear me because I'm just venting my hurt. I can also say, you know what? I am hurt. 
but what's going to be my most constructive way of trying to present this in a way she'll be able to hear me? And I know that we do have a history of positive things. When I let my mind kind of focus on positivity, that flows down to my mouth and to my actions. Rosh Hashanah is the day of the day of thought, which means we're kind of setting the DNA, the genetics of everything that's going to flow for the rest of our year. Now that can sound scary and that can sound awesome. And I don't mean to say we are not in charge of what's going to happen to us during the year, because that's the awesomeness of knowing that there is a a king and a master who's really in charge of that. But we, we do have choices about is what we plant in our brains, in our head, in our thoughts on Rosh Hashanah. And Rabbi Akiva Tat says so beautifully, he said, anything that has a starting point, the starting point actually is a tiny seed that contains in it all the DNA and all the genetics of what will unfold and develop afterwards. So you plant a seed. You're not going to see the, the roots, the trunk, the tree, the leaves, the, the fruits for perhaps even years. But all the DNA that will produce those apples or those oranges are all contained in that little tiny dot. And then what grows a year later or two years later or three years later is really just an unfolding of all that was there at that moment. When a baby is conceived at the moment of conception, that seed that the father contributes contains in it all the DNA and all the DNA the genetics of whether the baby's going to have brown eyes or blue eyes, blonde hair, black hair, the the brain, the emotional components, everything is contained in that little seed. And then the nine months develop it outwardly. So Rosh Hashanah is like a very powerful day. It's awesome because it has so much power in that seed. It's the microchip of everything that will play out in that program for the year. And I'm not in control of what will happen, but I am in control of deciding or thinking about where I want my brain and my dreams and my aspirations to be able to go. And that's what I love about what you just shared. Like a year ago on Rosh Hashanah, you had this bigger vision or dream for yourself of, I want to help women be inspired. And all the podcasts that you have been able, with Hashem's help to create, were all coming from that DNA, that Rosh. So Rosh Hashanah is really an amazing day of possibility, of like, you, there's just so much there. And that's why the Sparim say, like, try not to get angry on that day. Try not to get into this negative mode and to get into like the past thinking of like, I did this wrong. If you notice, the davening has nothing to do with Averot and confessions and things I did wrong because it's not about the past. What is all the davening focused on? Hashem, I want you to be my king. I want to serve you. I want to know you better. I want your awareness of the truth of your existence to be spread throughout my life and throughout the whole world. So that's setting the DNA and the genes for what I will, will play out, hopefully, for the year within my choices. That is so beautiful. And I love the way that you said that because, you know, sometimes people come to Rosh Hashanah like they're so scared because they did this wrong this year and they did that wrong and they're just so nervous. 
But I love that thought that, you know, Rosh Hashanah is not about the past. It's about the future. And it's about planting the seed. Like you plant the seed on this Rosh Hashanah. And by next year, next Rosh Hashanah, you want to be able to look back on this year and to see everything that you accomplished just from planting the seeds now. You know, you have a whole year to develop all that. It's amazing. It's it really is. Yeah, it is. And maybe I'll just share because we're going to be saying so many tefillos, Um one line that we can have in mind when we say it right after shofar blowing both days we say this paragraph that starts with hayom haras olam hayom haras olam literally means today is the day of the pregnancy or the conception of the world which means we kind of feel like well the world has been going the last 10 years 20 years 100 years thousands of years. So it's kind of just continuing, but it's saying, no, today is the DNA conception point of this upcoming world of this coming year. And therefore I'm saying to Hashem, wow, please, I'm starting with big dreams and hopes and aspirations. Help me accomplish them. It's so inspiring. It goes along with the seed concept that we were talking about, you know, just to see the planting of the intentions. What are your intentions now that you want to accomplish this year? So by the end of next year, you can look back to see that you planted the seed this year and you water it with all your effort and your hard work and your davening and your, you know, your observance of mitzvot and your closeness to Hashem. And then you see where it brought you the following year. So it's so, so interesting. Um, But you know, it's, so many of us have gone through so many hardships this past year, and we are all looking forward to a better year filled with joy and with revealed blessings. So I want to ask you on a practical note, what are some practical ways that we can harness the holy energy that is available to us now and prepare spiritually in order to help us manifest and bring about the things that we really want in our lives, like happy and fulfilling relationships, good health, financial success, inner peace, and the many other blessings that are available to us right now. Like how do we plant the seeds? Can you give us some practical ways for like the women who are listening, just some practical ways? You know, these are the things that they want, the, the happy family, the the, the good children, the, the success. You know, some people are waiting to get married and have babies. What are some practical ways that we can plant those seeds so we can hopefully see, um, you know, we can hopefully see those seeds come to fruition by next year? Wow. Okay. Well, obviously, we are never in absolute control of results. True. Um, however, we do know that energies that we bring forth into the world are then mirrored by Hashem's reflection of those energies back to us. So this time of year is a year, is a time of year when the more we can exercise compassion towards others, giving, loving. I mean, if a person is struggling with, you know, wanting good health, contributing to organizations that are helping RCCS, Rofei Cholem Cancer Society, um, being out there for people in Tom Shabbos, trying to think, even people in, in their own individual lives who are alone or who need a helping hand, this is the time where we want Hashem to bring that energy into our lives. And the more we bring that that energy forth into that world, we, we're really asking Hashem to do the same. Um, another thing that I learned from my Rebbe in Eretz Yisrael, Rabbi Orlowick, is he said, you know, sometimes we have these like very big aspirations or goals for ourselves, but they become so general that we kind of 
are inspired for a week and for two weeks and for a month. And then we kind of, by November, December, Cheshvan, we kind of lose a little of that flow and impetus. So he said, if I want my changes to be real ones, it's important to try to come up with small things that I do that are concrete and measurable that can help me really feel like I'm making a change. And he brought in a beautiful idea of this Fas MS. The Gera Rebbe says, the greatness of a person can be measured by how much he values small things. So, you know, sometimes you think like, well, this time of year, I have to like um, start a new organization. Now, if you're at a time in your life where you have that time and space, that's that's beautiful. This is a time to kind of think out of the box. I, I love your example because it's like you started a whole new existence of something that wasn't there before. Or like you have this Yankee mayor who we just lost in the Brooklyn community who started Miss Askim. And Miss Askim was the organization that helped any person who was in Avelo to who had, who was, who had had a levaya, they were the ones who were bringing the 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 stools for the shiva. They were the ones who were bringing the speakers for the levaya. They arranged all the details that didn't exist fifty years ago in Brooklyn. So he obviously, some one Rosh Hashanah, started thinking bigger about like we don't have an organized system that deals with people who are sitting shiva. Rebetzin Leah Cohn recently started a program where she is preparing curriculum for Hash, for Beis Yaakov schools on teaching hashkafa. So a lot of people would go around saying, like, I wish my girls would get more hashkafa. But, like, it is a time during Elul to kind of think, what can I contribute to Hashem's world in a meaningful way? I remember, again, Rabbi Erlewick would say, imagine somebody's coming in front of the king. And the king, or it doesn't have to be the king, the CEO of a company. And once a year, the CEO is kind of doing an evaluation of each department and what should happen for the upcoming year with that department. Now, how does he make that evaluation? He'll look at how each department is doing and say, well, this department is really contributing a lot to the company. I think they need a new office space some new telephone equipment and a computer. Maybe they need a new secretary because based on their contribution to the company, they need calum and vessels and utensils to achieve it. This other group is not, this department is not functioning so efficiently. Maybe we should like cut out some of the personnel over here. Maybe we should change some of the personnel. So he said, here we are coming for Hashem and this is the seed of the upcoming year. And Hashem is looking at every one of us and just saying like, What's going to be your position in my company, in my kingdom? What are you going to contribute? So he said, that's not the time to come in front of the king and say, I did this wrong. I did that wrong. I was bad in this. When the CEO is evaluating, you come and you just say to him, here's what I would love to contribute to our company's project this year. Here are the tools I feel would help me to do it. If you think that this would be valuable and worthwhile for the company, please, I would love to contribute that. So we're coming with almost a joyousness 
and thinking during this time period, like beyond the box of like, what are my skills? What are my intellectual skills? What are my emotional skills? What are my financial skills? And what can I do with those to contribute in the biggest way? But it doesn't have to be big organizations. Sometimes it can be really small things where somebody is becoming a partners in Torah with somebody once a week. But that relationship over once a week can impact and change somebody else's relationship to Torah and Yiddishkeit. And if I have the emotional ability or the intellectual ability to, or the learning to learn with somebody else, that can make such a difference of bringing Hashem's malchut into the world. Little things like, I just find, you know, if you if you find that your relationship with a certain person is kind of strained and you just say, you know what? Every time I'm feeling uptight inside myself when I meet this person, I'm just going to plaster on a smile. And every time I do that, celebrate it and say to myself, I just made a real change during Elul within myself. Because we don't even realize that those things are changes. We don't even realize that those things are valuable. So when the Sfas Emma says, like, do, do little things during Elul and just value what you're doing if you're doing it like for Hashem. I love that. I really, really love this concept. You know, especially what resonated with, um, for me was the concept, if you're going to ask for a promotion from your boss, from the CEO, you're not going to come and say, well, you know what? I really messed up that task. And boy, did I really bomb that job that you asked me to do. No, you're going to come in. I, I made $5 million for the company. I increased productivity. I did this. I did that. You're going to come with your best game on. You're going to come with all your strengths. And, you know, if you want a bonus, well, here is here are all the things that I want to be doing next year. This is where I'm going to be spending my time. This is how I'm going to increase growth and productivity within the company. You're going to come with everything that you're going to do for the company. And that's why you deserve the bonus. That's why you deserve the raise, the promotion, whatever it is. You're coming with your best features and your best qualities on your, your virtues. You're basically presenting your virtues. And that's kind of what we're doing with Hashem on Rosh Hashanah. We're presenting, you know, this is where I want to go for the coming year. These are my intentions. These are my most innermost desires and goals. This is what I want to achieve this year. And this is why I, you know, these are my strengths. Like you were saying, these are my strengths. These are my, my, my good qualities, my strong points. And this is what I'm going to use to, to achieve these goals that I have with your help. You know, like you said, we're not in charge of the outcome. Hashem is in charge of all the outcomes we can, we can go and try and do, but we are not the head of the outcome department. Hashem is always the head of the outcome department, but it's on us to do our hishtadlis. And hishtadlis means effort and trying. So it's on us to, to do our effort and trying. And also, I love what you said, the little practical pointers, like, you know, get involved with an organization, do something. And I, Partners in Torah is amazing. I actually have a partner in Torah. I want to give a shout out to my partner in Torah. Her name is Naomi Schiff. She's from Teaneck, New Jersey. She is awesome. She's the best. We've been learning together for 10 years. So Partners in Torah is a really amazing organization. Yep. For people who don't know about it, you, you're paired up with another person. You're learning on the phone. Or if you're close enough, you can learn in person. But normally the learning is done on the phone and you learn whatever aspect of Judaism you want to learn about anything. Um, and you just, you learn at a time that's convenient for you. And you really develop a relationship with this other person that you're learning with. It's a, and it's a back and forth. It's a, it's a, you learn from them and they learn from you. So I, that's a really amazing suggestion and point that you made. So thank you. Great. Sure. The one thing maybe I should just modify in what I said is it, I'm always coming in on Rosh Hashanah with the humility of not feeling like I deserve it and here's what I've done and here's what I've accomplished because nothing that I have done 
is begins to to match the gifts that I've received. 100%. So I'm not coming with this kind of assurance or arrogance of saying to Hashem, like, oh, here's what I want to give, and therefore I should deserve to get it. I'm humbly saying to Hashem, I just, I yearn so much to be able to contribute something meaningful to the company. Yes. Here are my dreams and goals of what I would love to do, and I humbly ask you for your help. Yes, yes. Thank yes. you for clarifying. 100%. Yes. Um. So, you know, I personally know many people who have been stuck in the same pattern for years. So every every year in Rosh Hashanah, they have the exact same problems and the issues that they were challenged with last Rosh Hashanah and the Rosh Hashanah before that. It's just they're stuck. And every year, it's just a cycle, a stuck cycle. And it seems like so many people stay stuck in the same place for years and even decades without growing or moving forward in their lives. And it's so hard and it's so frustrating. They, they really want to grow and move forward with life, but to still find yourself stuck in the same place that you've been for years. And many people give up and they figure they're going to be stuck in this current situation for the rest of their lives. But this year, I really, really passionately feel that we can make a difference for women and we can help them move forward. And earlier we spoke about the preparations that we can make before Rosh Hashanah. So now I wanted to ask you if you can please share with us some strategies for what we can do differently this year after Rosh Hashanah is over in order to ensure that the spiritual growth and elevation that the seeds we plant on Rosh Hashanah can grow and to blossom so that next year when Rosh Hashanah comes around, we're not finding ourselves still stuck in the same patterns that we've been stuck in for years. So how can we get unstuck and move forward? Vera, I wish I could say that I am not stuck in any of my own <laughs> issues. I, I'm, I'm, it's resonating with me because I think many of the character traits and the issues that we have within our personality really are lifetime battles. Yes. And it's important to acknowledge and know that that's why Hashem gives us Hashem, a long period of life, because he knows that it's going to be a lifetime battle and we're not going to just kind of overcome it. I used to think like, okay, Rosh Hashanah, I'm just going to decide it's going to be different. And within the next month, everything's going to change until I humbly recognized how long it takes me to really make those changes. But, you know, one thing that, that Rebetzin Heller also has pointed out is when I'm going through my own vidui list of things that I'm confessing about, if I can kind of notice a common denominator amongst them all, which is kind of the root that keeps repeating itself. Meaning, do I find that my issue is that I am very disorganized and therefore I'm not really living up to many of my commitments or responsibilities? Is my issue that I'm struggling a lot with really jealousy and that's why I'm speaking Lashon Hara about others and I'm, I'm... And then try to come up with some, and this is Rabbi Orlowick says, if you want your change to be real, you have to come up with a very teeny, weeny, small, concrete checkoff thing that you can, for a small period of time, to say, let's say, from Rosh Hashanah to Hanukkah or from Rosh Hashanah to Sukkot, I'm going to check every day whether I did that thing. So let me be more, more specific. Let's say a person finds they're struggling with davening. Okay. Now they can say, I want to be better in my davening for this year. That's a big goal that can last for a week or two weeks. And then you kind of lose the steam and you're back to the busyness of life. But if I say every day before davening, I'm going to try to read, I don't know, one page in um, praying with fire, which can give me some greater inspiration or clarity before I daven. 
I can check off a concrete way on my list, I read the page. Does that guarantee that for sure my davening will be better every day? Not necessarily, but at least I can say to Hashem, I did the Hishtadlis in a practical, concrete way of trying this year to upgrade my davening. Um, I know for myself, organization is not one of my stronger skills. And I was noticing in my vidui that like a lot of the things that I was confessing about had to do with like not really living up to certain dreams, aspirations that I was thinking of doing. And then I realized it sounds like a funny Rosh Hashanah resolution. But one year I said, Belineder, I'm going to start writing lists. I know most people write lists anyway, but I was never writing lists. I was just trying to hold it all in my brain. And then I'd find that like I wasn't really giving tzedakah properly and figuring out my miser because I never sat down and really did it. So I found that year I didn't make it every single day to make lists, but every day that I did make a list and I was able to check it off, I was able to say, wow, Hashem, I have greater control or direction over my weakness in that area. Or I'll give you one other example. Um, I found that one year I was struggling in terms of my amuna and my relationship with Hashem because I was involved in and hearing so many stories or people who are in very deeply painful, almost traumatic situations. And I felt like it was hard for me to even feel Hashem's goodness at that point and to feel trusting of Hashem. And I realized I needed some small, concrete way to help me feel Hashem's love. So, Belineder, I was reading in one of the Hamodias that year that one person's Kabbalah for that year for after Rosh Hashanah was that every day before they go to bed at night, they would just verbally thank Hashem for small good things that happened to them in that day. Now, we all know that gratitude is important, but it can become like almost a habit. Like that was my Kabbalah Neder for that year. And then I just found myself even being more mindful and more present. Like I'd walk around in my day and say like, oh, well, Hashem, I'm in a brightly lit kitchen right now, which is not dark and it's dry and it's not wet and I'm not in the hospital. Thank you so much, Hashem, for that. And then I was able to notice more of the goodness and more of the brachot. So I guess what I'm saying is if I want to hold on to something after Rosh Hashanah, I guess I have to try to figure out some small step. I was I remember Rabbi Friend quoting that Rav Shach, one year his Kabbalah on Rosh Hashanah was that every time he would bench, he would bench from looking inside a bencher from Rosh Hashanah until the end of Sukkot or Hanukkah, I don't remember which it was. Now, people would think, Rav Shach, he's probably being accepting on himself to learn 20 Masechtos over the next, but he was practical in terms of saying, benching is a mitzvah de oraisa. If I want to improve my benching, I can, if I just say, I want to have greater kavana, that's a big goal. But if I say, I'll bench from inside a bencher, I can check it off and say to Hashem, I'm really working on holding on to that commitment. Right, because it's very specific. I feel like the more specific you make that action step and the smaller you make that action step, it's doable. It's very specific and doable. And I think that's the key to to keeping that Rosh Hashanah resolution to keep it going throughout the year to make that commitment. I think so too. The second thing that I should also add is daven for help. Meaning sometimes we just think I've got to do it. Like right. I'm committing and I've got to live up to it. But if I, if I, during the whole tshuva process, if I say to Hashem, the last bracha in the list of brachot in the morning 
we ask Hashem, v'chof et yitzrenu, please subdue my yitzahara l'hishtabed lach, to, to be subservient to you. I'm really saying, like, it's not just like, I'm not going to talk Lashon Hara, and I'm going to talk nicer to my, my mother or my husband. I'm really saying to Hashem, I know I'm going to have a very hard struggle with this. I can't do it without you. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And Hashem will really help you do what it is that you want to do for him. It's so interesting. You know, it really, really is. You ask yeah. for Hashem's help. Please help me do what I need to do for you. And and he will, and he'll help you. That's so well beautiful. put. Yes. And so I have one final question. It's also a very practical one. This is such a busy, busy time of year. I mean, super busy. Kids are going back to school, cooking, cleaning, and shopping is being done to usher in the holidays. And also you have just the regular work, taking care of our families and the other duties of daily living that are still happening. And now we're talking about making time to prepare ourselves spiritually for this very special holiday. So how could we manage to do it all? Like it's so much in such a short amount of time. So can you please share with us some realistic ways that we can do what needs to be done calmly so that we can enter the holidays with a feeling of joy instead of a feeling of being frazzled? Oh, wow. This is this is something, again, we all we all are working on and we're all struggling with. So I guess I'll just share what I found worked for me. Mm -hmm. Doesn't always work, but first of all, my parenting teacher, Rebetzin Seema Spetner from Eretz Yisrael, when she gave a class during Elul, I remember her saying, if you're at a stage of life where you're raising kids and you have, you know, carpools and homeworks, or you're running to work, you may really not have any time to add more things to your schedule, to add more to Hillam, to add, she said, during Elul, Whatever you're doing anyway, try to just upgrade it in two ways. First of all, check in that you're doing it halachically properly. Make sure you're really doing it according to the way Hashem wants it done. And number two, try to do it a little more with joy, with love, lishma. Because I'm going to be doing it anyway. And I think that's really another example of mindfulness, of like kind of being in the moment you know, I'm going to be doing laundries anyway, and laundry can be tedious, and laundry can be automatic, where you're almost like doing it on subconscious mode. And during the laundry time, my mind can be running in a million directions, because the mind is like a wild horse. It's like always just like going. So instead of thinking about the laundry, I could be, and that's fine, thinking about what I'm planning to do tomorrow, or what I'm stressed about in my... But if I stop for a minute and just say, Remember and visualize the feeling of what it feels like to have clean, neat, dry, fresh laundry. This laundry that I'm doing, I'm doing as a sense of kavod for myself and my dignity and my tzelem lokim. This is going to be giving my kids, my husband, my roommate, whoever I'm doing this laundry for, and I'm going to like fold it neatly. They're going to feel that sense of order and dignity within their own lives. Thank you, Hashem, for enabling me to be a shaliach to bring somebody else that feeling of freshness and dignity. Now, I'm not going to necessarily do that for every single action, but even as I'm washing dishes, you know, like to be able to feel the warmth of the water on my fingers and say, mm, Hashem, you love me so much. You're, you're giving me, I, I don't have freezing cold water, you know, running over my hands. Now, these things sound small again, but these small things remind me as I'm going through the day, this is meaningful and this is for Hashem. So I guess what I'm saying is I can't always add new things, but I can add 
mindfulness. And instead of just saying, I have to do this, if I keep frameworking it again within the framework of how is this part of my tafkid? How is this part of my malchut Hashem? Oh, I'm getting up in the morning and I'm washing Nagelwasser. The Nagelwasser that I'm washing means that I am a Kohen in the Beis HaMikdash who had to wash his hands before he started his avoda. My day is my avoda. As I'm about to, to wash my hands, I'm preparing my whole self for that higher avoda. I'm going to wash my Nagelwasser anyway. But if I have that thought going through my mind, I'm just elevating the same, the same experience. Right, right. And I love that. I love and I could totally relate to the laundry example. And specifically related to that, I once heard saying, you know, okay, we have to do so much laundry, but think, thank God I have a family to do laundry for. Thank God I'm alive to be able to do laundry. Thank God my legs, my arms, my body works so I can actually physically do it. They got to have clothes to wear. Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing any laundry. You know, just the little, little things that you don't normally think of when you're doing laundry. And just it goes for cooking also. You know, some people don't love being in the kitchen, but you have to do it, you know. Um, so they got to have somebody to cook for. Even if you're just cooking for yourself, Thank God that I am able to cook for myself. Thank God that I'm able to eat and I'm not in the hospital and like being fed with a feeding tube. I mean, these are things that we take for granted, but oh my God, so many people are in the hospital. And just think about it for a minute. Like if you're in the hospital and you can't eat and you're being fed through a feeding tube or you know, fed through an IV, like how much would you crave being in your kitchen, chopping those vegetables, making the meat, you know, it, it really takes on a different perspective when you think about it like that. And when you show your gratitude and think, you know, be mindful like that. It's so true. And you know what? Unfortunately, we should never have to go through a loss of something. But yes. when you see the contrast of what it could be and, and you know, we shouldn't have to go through it our own life, but you, you can even live it vicariously when you read stories about people who are struggling with something. Or I remember one of my very elevated neighbors who is not with us anymore, but I remember when she was in the hospital and she was not allowed to eat or drink. And I remember she said she she was allowed one teaspoon of ice chips in her mouth. That was her liquid. And the joy that she had of that liquid dripping down her throat. And, and that, I remember it changed the way I took a drink because I remember feeling like, wow, who experiences joy in that? So if we can use our visualization skills in our minds to imagine alternative possibilities and then to be more that much more grateful for what we have, it can really up probably the experience. You're right. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. So thank you. Thank you so much, Rabbits and Ivy, for taking the time to join us on America's Top Rabbitsons. We very much enjoyed having you here. And we hope that all the learning today that we did will be for Rafu Shalema, for Eliezer Rafael Benamuna, and also for Yaakov Davin Natan Ben Sarahana. Thank you so, Amen. so much. Thank you, Vera. It's a pleasure. Thank you.